Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, mantenganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, it seems like over the last few years, I've had a tradition of taking a little time off around the holidays and not producing any new podcasts. And I kept that tradition alive again this year, so my apologies to any of you who were looking forward to a podcast before the holidays and I missed out. Uh, I think this is, uh, you know, I had a lot going on again and needed to take a little time away. But I'm back to provide a brand new podcast for you, and I hope you enjoy it. This one is going to be a podcast in three parts. And the first part is about a trip report. I took a little trip up there before the holidays. The second part is a part movie review of Wreck-It Ralph, the uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. And the third part is to talk about holidays at Walt Disney World. And I'll get back to that and explain a little more to you when I get to it. So I hope everyone had a great holiday, and let's jump in. I'm starting off with a trip report about a trip that I took right before the Christmas season. Uh, I happened to be thinking about going up, and my older son, who was coming home from college, said, hey, can we go? And I'm like, of course we can. So we went. And we spent a couple of days up there and had a little fun. We stayed off property again. It just seems to work out better for us more efficiently. And uh, we went over to, uh, to the parks. I gave him an opportunity to do the four-park challenge, something he's never done, and he didn't want to go to the Animal Kingdom. So we only did three parks on this trip. Uh, and actually, we in the couple of days we were there, we actually managed to cover all three parks, both all of the days. Uh, we wound up going to all three. But we had a really good time. No, that's not true. We only went to the three two days, and the other day we spent the entire day in the Magic Kingdom. It happened to be one of the days when the Christmas party was not going on, so we were able to stay the entire day and stay late. So we had a great time just kind of tooling around. It was fun. You know, it's always fun to go and just kind of experience things and kind of see it through his eyes in a different way and see what it is that he likes about the parks. I know what I like. I know what I like to do. And we managed to do a lot of things and get some things in that he really wanted to do. You know, the few things that he wanted to do, he wanted to see what the new uh, Frozen ride was like. He hadn't been on it, so I took him on that. And uh, he had a really good time. I, I found it to be fun again. Uh, I had only seen it the one time uh, when I talked about it previously and uh, had gotten in it uh, based on having had a fast pass. This time it worked out that we got to the park right as the park opened, right at 9 o'clock. We made a beeline right back for uh, the Frozen ride. And we waited maybe 10 minutes, and we could have gotten in line and waited about the same 10 minutes again to, uh, to go on it a second time because people hadn't made their way around to that part of the park yet. It was, it was really terrific, and it was a lot of fun. The ride is very good. He was very enthused about it. He's like, well, this is really good. The technology on it is good. The storyline is good. The, uh, the, the way they put it together is very clever, the way they have these different rooms that you go into. And if you haven't seen it, it is really fun. It's sort of a reinterpretation of the story or an extension of the story rather than telling the story of Frozen as the tale that was in the movie. It's uh, sort of an extension of that. And they have all the same characters and the songs are there, or some of the songs, and there's a few other songs that are built in. But it's really a fun ride. And it uses the Maelstrom's 
you know, story you know, story points as far as where all the the, the show pieces are and all the things that were in there. So it kind of follows along the same the same uh, process there. So as you're going along, it, it's the same uh, track. It's just new vignettes, and the way they did it was very clever. And it's interesting because it's kind of grown on me. At first, I didn't think it really fit in the Norway Pavilion. Now it doesn't bother me as much. It kind of fits in there. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but it kind of fits enough where it works out. And I feel like it uh, it actually does work in that space. So I'm actually kind of glad that it's there now that I've ridden it a couple of times. I feel a little differently about it. The other thing in Epcot he wanted to do was the Soren ride. Soren is always a win in my book. It's probably right now my favorite attraction in all of the Disney parks. There's just something about the magic and wonder of all of that it's really cool. And I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I have my desktop PC at work set up so that it rotates through a series of pictures that are similar to all of the pictures, all the scenes you see in Soren. So anytime I'm at work, I'll see something pop up and it'll be like, hey, it's the islands uh, that are in, in, off of Fiji. Or hey, it's, uh, it's uh, Iguazu Falls or whatever else it is. It's pretty neat. I went through and I figured out what all, the, all of them were and I found pictures that were evocative of all of that stuff. So kind of fun and it, it rotates through it. It's really a I, I really do like the attraction. The technology is good. The video is good. The only thing that bothers me about it, and it's a very trivial thing, is that they did some digital uh, manipulation there when they built the screens. And they have some of the larger objects when they go to the center of the screen. If you're sitting in the center part of the screen, it looks right. But if you're sitting off to either side, things warp off to the side, right or left, because of the size of the screen and its dimensioning. Now, I suppose they could have fixed that with some digital editing, but they chose not to. So if you happen to be sitting off to like the right, when uh, the Eiffel Tower comes up, it sort of bends over a little bit, and it looks a little strange. It's it's okay. It doesn't really matter, but it's just one of those little things. It's just a little nitpicky thing that I've noticed, and it kind of bothers me just a little. So that was pretty much what we did in Epcot. Those were the major things. Of course, we had to eat at the Tangerine Cafe. That's one of my favorites and one of his, too. Him being a vegetarian, it made it you know more interesting. Uh, we were able to go to more of the vegetarian restaurants again and try some of the dishes that I talked about in my last podcast. So that was kind of fun and appropriate. The timing worked out pretty well. So we, uh, we did that. We had a good time uh, going through Epcot. Um, then in the uh, Magic Kingdom, it's all the traditional rides. It's the uh, Haunted Mansion. It's the Pirates of the Caribbean. And we made sure we went to, to the Pirates on the Fast Pass line so we could see the Pirates playing chess. We also went to it in the not Fast Pass line because we happened to catch it at a time when the, uh, when the crowds were low. The Jungle Cruise, of course, the Enchanted Tiki Room, can't go wrong with the Enchanted Tiki Room. What's wrong with seeing Jose singing? Um, and I, I meant to say about the Haunted Mansion, it's interesting how Fast Pass has changed the nature of the Haunted Mansion's queue. It used to be that when there was no Fast Pass there at all, you could walk up to the Haunted Mansion and the longest you would ever spend in line is probably on a very busy day, probably about 35 minutes. That would be it. it would, the line would be long, but about 35 minutes. Now on any given day, because of the Fast Pass lines, the average wait time is over 20 minutes. We used to be, you know, you could maybe wait, you know, sometimes five minutes, 10 minutes. Now the average wait time seems to be between 20 and 30, and it extends well beyond 40 at times. I've seen it be as much as 80 minutes, 100 minutes, which doesn't make sense. I can't figure out how they're managing the queue to let people in and not having enough people go in using the uh, non-fast pass, the standby lines. It just doesn't make sense to me the way that they're managing their lines because it seems to take too long to get on there. And I can't quite figure that out because there never really was much of a wait there. Now there's always a wait there if you don't have a fast pass for it. It's kind of strange. Now, the entertaining part of the queue is fun, you know, where they have the interactive part, but it still kind of is missing something, the fact that it takes that long to get on the ride. Maybe they'll continue to tweak it. 
things keep getting better and they keep evolving and they might figure it out at some point. Of course, we had to ride on uh, Toy Story Midway. I'm sorry, that would be over in the studios. I'll get back to that one. Of course, we had to ride on Buzz Lightyear. Uh, Buzz Lightyear is always a, always a hoot. And my son was so funny because he wanted to beat me. I can regularly get 999,999. That's just, I've ridden it so many times that I know where all the places are to hit. And I can usually get to that point or somewhere close to it. This time he's like, you're not getting that. So he took control of the joystick and just kept turning me into walls so that I couldn't shoot at anything. But somehow or other, um, I wound up with, I think we wrote it twice in a row. And one time I had like 20,000 and the other time I had 12,000 and I beat him both times anyway. So it was kind of fun. He was just trying. He's like, I'm going to get you. And he would. He would uh, turn me into a wall, but I'd keep shooting at everything anyway. And I uh, wound up with a bunch of points. It was kind of fun. He was, he was really tormenting me a little. But that's all right. It's all good. It was We had a good time with that. Um, we wrote on, uh, oh, the Carousel of Progress. You know, every once in a while, I still like to have that classic attraction. That's the last ride that Disney touched himself, so it's one of my favorites. But I can't ride on it all the time. It's too humdrum in a way. You know, there's nothing interesting about it particularly, but the fact that Walt Disney actually touched it makes it interesting. So uh, I'm still still interested in that one. On the We wrote on the People Mover, of course, on the uh, the Grand, P, Grand Prix Raceway. And uh, again, my son was giving me a hard time. He decided to drive as slow as he possibly could in front of me to this, that way I couldn't do anything. <laughs> he just turns around and starts smirking at me. <clears throat> yeah, wise, wise acre. Gee whiz. Um, that's always kind of funny. Uh, so we did that. Uh, the train is currently out of service as they build the Neutron ride. So there is no uh, train around the Magic Kingdom, and that's kind of sad. I missed that. But we got to walk over to the Lily Bell and see it in the, in the Main Street Station. Always enjoy that, regardless. Um, let's see, what else did we do? We went over and, um, wrote It's a Small World. We talked about writing Peter Pan, but unfortunately, even with the short wait times, short-er wait times, it was still like 40 minutes and we decided not to do it. Now we were talking about it and we're like, eh, let's do something else instead. Uh, we did ride, um, what else did we, oh, we rode the uh, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. I hadn't ridden that one since, ridden that one since basically my daughter was little, probably five or more years ago since the last time I wrote it. So, it was kind of funny to to uh, to ride it again and see it. It was it was a uh, very entertaining. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Glad I got to see it again. Um, that's one that I just generally kind of bypass because the line's a little long and I don't really have an interest in riding it myself. My son's like, "Hey, we're here, let's go!" So we went, we jumped on it because why not? Um, and that was pretty much our our time in the Magic Kingdom. We went around to things a couple of times and had some fun there. Uh, really enjoyable. Um, always love the Magic Kingdom and some of the things that go on there. And uh, kind of kind of got to enjoy a lot of the a lot of the features of it. Now, as far as the Magic Kingdom, we uh, we ate over at um, the uh, Friar's Nook and had the bratwurst in the in the beer, the uh, the plant based bratwurst, and that was it was really pretty good again. Um, very very enjoyable meal. Um, what else? So then we went over to the studios. Now, in the studios, the main thing we did there was the uh, Toy Story Midway Mania. And uh, this was kind of fun. And my son, all he wanted to do was beat me. That was his whole goal was just to beat me. So he was doing everything he could to try and beat me. And he did. He beat me by, I don't know, 100,000 points or something. Now, Toy Story Midway Mania is not the ride that I'm the best at, um, but I enjoy going on it. So he was able to just <laughs> take me out on that one. And boy, he was he was having such a good time telling me, okay, well, now you, now you know that I can beat you. And every time we talk about it, when we'd say, what was your favorite thing you did? Oh, beating you on Toy Story. Just classic, just one of those things, you know, good father-son moment, you know, having a little fun there, just uh, picking up on something that, uh, that we could do. Um, so that was the main thing we did over there. 
and we really had a good time. We just sort of uh, wandered around a lot and saw a lot of different things. We went over and, of course, did a little resort hopping because that's always fun to just check out the resorts a little bit. And uh, had a little fun uh, kind of tooling around. So for a couple of days, it was just he and I in the parks just having some fun. Um, he had this funny thing he was doing. Every time we'd get a fast pass, he'd look at me and he goes, we're better than them because we're in the fast pass line. And then when we wouldn't get a fast pass, he'd look over and they're better than us because they're in the fast pass line. And it was just this funny thing we were doing back and forth. They're better than us. We're better than them. Just back and forth every time we'd, uh, we'd go do anything. We'd have a little fun with it, just going back and forth. Good times. I mean, that was uh, that was really pretty fun. I enjoyed uh, enjoyed spending some time with them a couple of days, and um, we got to see a lot of things, do a lot of people watching, and uh, that leads me around to what what was going to be my third part. I'm going to make it my second part and talk about uh, Christmas at Walt Disney World. And let me just start by saying this: I love the holidays. I love the holiday season. I love the way it works. I love the way it comes together. There's just something very pleasant about it. Now, to me, it's more personal. There's certain things about it that I like. But what I don't like is when there's this thing, I like to call it Christmas creep, when it creeps out beyond the holidays, when it goes into like November before, before Thanksgiving and you're starting the whole holiday season and you know, you're, it's kind of in your face holiday and it becomes much more than just a fun holiday season. I like the fact that they dress up the, the Walt Disney World Resort. I like a lot of the decorations they do. Sometimes I feel like it's too much and it just, you know, you walk around and it's like everything is themed. You go on the Jungle Cruise and it's the Jingle Cruise. And that's cute, but it's too much, in my opinion. And all of the holiday decorations are all nice, but now everything's holiday themed and there's holiday music and there's holiday this and there's holiday that. And it's just, it gets to be too much. I like it to be a little bit understated and a little more subtle. I love the holiday season, like I said. It just feels like it's a little too much. It's it's just a little little over the top. <laughs> now I have to say something about the Candlelight Processional. Um, one of my listeners had said something to me about having gone to Epcot and having been caught up in the lines for the candlelight processional. And I did too. I got caught up in some of the lines for them. And it's, it's a very, uh, clumsy way they handle the lines because you wind up having to work around, work your way around the American gardens theater. I, I don't have any objection to the show itself. Uh, in fact, we were walking by and Pat Sajak was hosting. We got to hear a little bit of Pat Sajak talking about the story of Christmas. And that was kind of funny and cute, but as you go along, and you're seeing this, it just, you know, it's, it's like, it's so there and kind of in your face again, back to that whole Christmas thing, pushing Christmas so far forward. And the crowds get really big around the candlelight processional. I just wish they would find another place to host it. So it wasn't blocking up the traffic in Epcot. It, no, no objection to it. It's fine. You know, I, if anybody enjoys the show, that's totally cool. I'm, I'm good with it. It's just about where the show is hosted. It's gotten to be such a big thing that I think it's, it's too much where it is. And I, appreciate that Disney was looking at building another theater in the Magic Kingdom or elsewhere to actually host this show in the future. And I hope they do just because the crowd control gets a little crazy and it's a little too much in the scheme of everything that's Christmassy and everything that's going on. It just, it feels like too much to me. It's just overwhelming. Again, love the holiday. It's just too much. Everything, everything, everything is Christmassy. And it just goes on for too long. It starts too early in November and it goes on through, you know, second, first week in January-ish. And it's just a little too much for me. And I, I just, I don't know. I, it just feels like uh, this year, I just felt like it was overwhelming. I don't know. Maybe it was everything else that was going on and all the stuff I was doing beyond Disney. But that one just, it just struck me this year that it was um, a little more than I usually like to take in. So 
that was just my opinion and my take on it. It's it's sort of that that Christmas um, overwhelming nature, just a little too much to take in at one time. But just my opinion. I know a lot of people go there and love the holiday season. I just wish they could strain it just a little bit more rather than pushing it out and having more Mickey Very Merry Christmas parties and so forth. I remember when Mickey's Very Merry Christmas party was this understated event and they would have it a few select nights of the year. It was, you know, maybe they had it, oh, I don't know, 15 nights before the holidays. So it was like between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it was maybe 15 nights. And it was, you know, it was a special event, but it wasn't an expensive event. It was just something you would go to. They would close the park. They would leave it open for a smaller number of people. And it was uh, it was a fun time to just go in the park and have a little Christmas cheer. And that felt right to me. Now it's like it's so many nights during the week. I think it's, you know, it's like four nights out of seven that they have it from basically the beginning of November until Christmas. And it's just, it's just so overwhelming. And the park closes early and it's an expensive event and they try to do more and they try to build more. And it just, it just feels like too much. Yeah, again, it's like, you know, it, it kind of detracts from the overall experience in a way. And I appreciate that people love it. And I don't want to take that away from anybody. It's, there's got to be a balance somewhere. And that's the part that bothers me about it. That doesn't feel like there's a balance exactly. It just feels like it's they're leaning all the way to more Christmas, more Christmas, more Christmas, more holiday cheer. We need to push that in your face. And yeah, that's all great, but it just feels like it's too much. And again, I know people love it and why they do it. I get it. Um, I can't fault Disney for that really because they're doing what they think is the right thing by their guests. And I appreciate what they're doing. But I think that's the reason I don't spend a lot of time there at the holiday season. It's just, I think I started to realize that at some point that it was way more than I wanted to have. Um, that was more holiday cheer than I could handle. I love holiday cheer. Don't get me wrong. But it just felt like it was more than I could handle. And even when I worked there 25 years ago, it wasn't to the level it is today. So I think there was, you know, somewhere it just took, jumped the shark basically and just went further. And all good. You know, if Disney wants to do it, that's cool. I may just back off a little bit and not go there as often during the holiday period. That's the way I can handle it. So my last part of my podcast is to talk a little bit about the movie Ralph Breaks the Internet. Uh, so we um, we were thinking of a movie we wanted to see. And my wife and daughter really wanted to see the Mary Poppins movie. And I was like, I was on the fence about it. I'm like, I could see that. That'd be fun, you know, see the, the extension of Mary Poppins. But my boys said, let's see Ralph Breaks the Internet. So we broke up, we split up and went to um, two different theaters and saw two different movies. And my wife reports that the Mary Poppins movie was very good, um, kind of a nice extension of the Mary Poppins storyline. My daughter enjoyed it thoroughly, so that's high praise. And it was a, you know, it was an entertaining film. It may not have been, you know, like the perfect enhancement to it. And I know that Julie Andrews declined to be in it because she didn't want to take away from Emily Blunt being in it. And my wife said that was an interesting decision, but she understood it in the context of the story. I was like, okay, cool. So that was a, you know, that was one part to it. So that was, that was interesting. Then we went to see Ralph Breaks the Internet. And I got to tell you, this was a really pretty good movie. I liked Wreck-It Ralph. It was fun. It was kind of an innovative storyline. I thought what, what they did to it was very clever. The treatment of these video games that, uh, that get out and uh, the things that they do was pretty clever. So taking it onto the internet was very, very smart, I thought. It was a nice extension of the storyline. And I thought they did a nice job of developing their characters with more depth to them. These are video, video game characters that shouldn't have much depth to them at all. But they really did a nice job of kind of developing them up and uh, throwing some surprises your way and a couple of little twists. And I love, spoil, little spoiler alert, the way they handled the Disney princesses in this film. They made fun of themselves. And they got all the women who played the Disney princesses, I guess it's women and girls, because Moana is actually played by a young lady who's not an adult. But anyway, 
um, they got all of them to play their parts again and be in this movie. And it was very clever the way they kind of laid them out as being these interesting characters with a little more depth to them than just being the uh, uh, the princesses that you see. And, you know, they know who they are and they know what they are. And they, <laughs> they all have interesting little stories to tell and funny things that they say, which is kind of funny. When they get into uh, street clothes, <laughs> that's pretty good. Very clever. Um, when... Uh, Vanellope helps them to uh, to decide to, to dress down a little bit. It's kind of funny. Very, very cute the way they set that up. And uh, I really like the way they, they kind of put the characters together. And having Gal Gadot play a racer with a uh, sort of a deeper character and, you know, some interesting things to say was very clever. I thought that was very cute. Love Gal Gadot anyway. But, uh, you know, this is this is a nice little touch to have her in the movie and have her playing a part in there. Um, really overall, very entertaining film. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I would, you know, I would go see it again. I, I would own this film. Uh, it was that good. It was just very entertaining storyline. I thought, I thought it played really well. I thought it, it moved along. The pace was good. Thought they did a nice job of kind of poking fun at themselves to a large degree. I thought Ralph not understanding the whole idea of eBay was so, so clever. It was just funny the way they set it up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a bit on this. Got a bit on this. Just so cute the way they did that. And, um, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, and then they try to they try to make money and the pop up ads and the whole thing. It was very, very well thought out. I thought Disney did a nice job of um, making a movie here that was sort of outside the bounds of what they normally do, but really hit the mainstream pretty well. And I thought I thought it was pretty good. I highly recommend it. That was that was one that I really enjoyed. Well, I know today's podcast was a little short, but I wanted to provide something, a little entertainment for you as the holidays came to a close here. And I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it uh, kind of filled the need a little bit while we uh, while we get back into it. Now, one last thing for you, I'd like to remind you again about my video series, Lost and Found at Walt Disney World. I've currently got uh, 14 episodes out there, and I cover a lot of uh, different things around the Walt Disney World Resort, some of historical notes, some things of historical note that I think you'll find interesting uh, to talk about Disney history and some of the things that have gone on there over the years. It's, it's kind of fun. It's been fun to put this series together. I really have enjoyed this rather a lot. Um, and I've got a lot more coming. I've got way more video that I'll be editing up in the future. But I'd like to recommend that you go check it out. Just go have a look and see what you think. And I am open to suggestions if anybody has any, uh, maybe editing or something else you'd like to see, or maybe a different focus or something else that might might uh, might make this a little bit more interesting. But I'm happy to share it. I, you know, it's my own knowledge of Disney history and kind of sharing some things with you that I hope you enjoy. Well, that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, 
one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 